Hey, are you looking to buy a new car? Are you stuck in a high-rate loan and looking to refinance? Well, UK Federal Credit Union can help. Right now, UK Federal Credit Union has auto loan rates as low as 3.24% APR. You can apply for an auto loan online at ukfcu.org or in person at the dealership. You can get your dream car today. It's UK Federal Credit Union, banking only better. Annual percentage rate. Member qualifications apply. Rate subject to credit approval and subject to change. For full disclosures and cost details, call 800-234-8528. Federally insured by NCU. It's football time in the bluegrass. You're listening to the KSR Football Podcast. Welcome into the KSR Football Podcast presented by UK Federal Credit Union. Give them a call 859-264-4200 or visit them on Ali Sheba Way in Lexington. UKFCU is presenting the KSR Football Podcast where today... We're talking about the Kentucky Wildcats' first win of the season, a 24-2 victory over the Bulldogs of Mississippi State, and 24-2, a defensive dominant performance by Kentucky against the Air Raid. It's just like we predicted, Drew Franklin. I mean, I thought they would have had a few more points than two. In fact, they could have had four. You know, a safety got called back. Could have really hung up some numbers on UK's (laughs) defense. But, you know – What's Leach had? 232 career games and has never been held scoreless till now. I, after the complaints we had through two weeks, I don't think anyone saw that outcome That outcome happening. Freddie, I've never felt dumber. Like, I, I have no idea what to expect from this team because in three weeks, I think we've seen almost every version of this Kentucky football team. You know, we have. And you looking back on it, I don't think Auburn was as good as we thought, and I think Ole Miss is better. So, uh, you know, back-to-back weeks, Kentucky's faced the number one offense in the league, and then Mississippi State's number two in defense. It would be number one if it wasn't for Georgia being just out of this world. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I really thought going in that Kentucky matched up way better against Mississippi State than Ole Miss, because uh, it's a different style of offense, and the pass catchers from Ole Miss are quite a bit yeah. better than than what Mississippi State's got. And – uh you know, it, it was just like you said, we've seen a different version of this team every week. And that's why, like, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to think is going to happen against Tennessee because, Chuck, you have offense just go insane for one week and then the defense for the next. I don't – I mean, Kentucky hadn't forced a turnover in two weeks and then they get six in one game. Like, it's just insane. I, I mean, it really is. And if you look at the – Every game, and you look at UK's offense, just the stat line, you would think we'd have a couple W's where we have L's and one L where we now have a W. And it really is. It's it's just a tale of two cities, I guess. I, I'm waiting for the game, and hopefully this week is the game, where we're kind of just firing on all cylinders. And maybe we have maybe not six overs defensively, but maybe like three and maybe four touchdowns on offense. I don't know. No safeties, please. Uh, it really is crazy. Speaking of a tale of two cities, Drew, did you have to read that in any of your three or four English one-on-ones? Uh, I actually read a tale of six cities because I had to read it three times in my English class. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, Chuck, I, I like your optimistic view, though, that Kentucky is going to put it all together. I think first let's start with the defense where – I mean, it, it felt like the Mark Stoops defense we'd seen 
plenty of times before we had guys swarming to the ball. And, and Freddie, I think what's really important is the outside linebackers, the edge guys, you weren't sure if they could keep up with the pass heavy attack. And those dudes were great in space, whether they had them down in a three point stance to rush the passer or whether they were dropping back into coverage. It felt like we, we, we needed the defense to have some playmakers and we hadn't really seen those edge guys show up until this game against Mississippi State. Yeah, absolutely, because Mississippi State doesn't bring in a tight end or a running back to chip on those guys. So it's it's one-on-one with Boogie and and, and Jordan and J.J. Uh, but Jordan, SEC Player of the Week, six tackles, uh, tackles for loss, pick six, pass breakup. I mean, he did it all. And then the linebackers as a whole had 42 tackles and four interceptions. So uh, I, I think uh, that's the best performance that we've seen by far from the linebackers. Jamie Davis had 11 tackles and a pick. Uh, Square had nine tackles, a, a pass breakup. And then Jared Casey, I thought, uh, played well, came in and had six tackles in the backup role. I think he's uh, he, he, that was his coming out party, and, and he will uh, be a factor going forward. My favorite part, Drew, was being on the live blog and having people who are very angry about Mississippi State dinking and dunking down the field. Because, like, it's it's kind of frustrating, but that's what you have to do to, to beat that team. And the, the linebackers were just swarming. Every time they throw it for, like, two or three yards, those dudes aren't getting any yards after catch. Yeah, I mean, as fans, we're naturally trained to not want to see a completion happen. But when it's that team, it's okay as long as you're keeping them in front of them. You just don't want them to beat you long because – they can have three or four uh, yards here at the time. They're going to work in some incompletions too. Yeah, and they didn't. They didn't complete like one big pass all day. I'm trying to think of what even their longest play of the day was, but I don't even remember a threat of a deep ball. I mean, the one that I thought UK got burned on ended up being an interception because uh, <laughs> he just ripped the ball out of his hands. I think that's the only time they potentially got beat deep, and it turned out to be an interception in the end zone. Malik Heath had a 23-yard catch. That was the longest play of the day. Man, and Kentucky was uh, – and, Freddie, I think you hit on this uh, on the Depth Chart podcast, which you all can subscribe and download to as well. comes out every Thursday. Uh, I, I think I was there where you talked about making sure that Kentucky did well on early downs to kind of get them off schedule. Yeah. Mississippi State was three of 19 on third downs, and it was by an average, or excuse me, three of 17 by an average of 8.8 yards. Like there was a lot of third and 17s, third and 12s, and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, Mississippi State converted on 17% on third down. So, uh, great job by the defense of getting early stops. And, you know, the dink and dunk air raid, you know, I'm a little bit tired of hearing that term, to be quite honest with you. I, I, I grew sick of it all week, and, and I was very happy to see Kentucky play well. But Mississippi State averaged 6.1 yards per catch. Uh, that's down from 17-something against LSU. So Kentucky played the right way. It, it did a lot what uh, Arkansas did. Played zone. I thought the DBs played well in their areas, defended their their green grass, and uh, broke, on the, broke on the football, then came up and tackled well. So I think all three levels of defense played extremely well. Kylan Hill, the running back, the all-SEC player, had 50, but just 75.6 yards per catch. So that's just an example of how, well, how good the linebackers were and the DBs were coming up making tackles. And another thing, Nick, I wanted Kentucky. When Mississippi State got in the red zone, I was actually happy about that because they were three of eight going into Saturday. Oh. And, and the air raid just really condenses. And it, if they don't score on a chunk play, they really struggle inside the 20. Yeah. And I think they came away with, was it, were they 0 for 6 or no, 0 for 4 in, in score, like within scoring range? I think 0 for 3 in the red zone overall. 0 for 3 in the red zone. They mm-hmm. had, I think they had six trips inside the 40 and didn't get, didn't get any points. That's crazy. And the, the one I thought the, – the play that I thought was huge, Chuck, that really – it at least made me feel confident was Jamin's interception in the end zone right before half because – Oh, yeah. It felt like in that the, – the first two games, in those similar opportunities, the other team was always getting the ball to bounce their way, and it felt good to have the ball bounce our way for a change. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, – I think that was a big one. Uh, 
watching Pascal almost make it to the end zone. You kind oh. of felt, man, he was moving though. I mean, he really was moving. Um, you felt like someone was going to come back and get him. And of course, what he gets stops the eight or something. It was the two. It was the two. So he yeah, he, two. he made it all the way to the two. Oh God, that's a big old boy. He looked like uh, 89 from Auburn when he had the ball in his hands. <laughs> How about that dude? They put him in the wildcat this, this past week. Really? The tight end from Auburn that weighs 340 pounds or whatever that is. <laughs> 280 pounds, I guess. They put him in at the Wildcat, and then he makes a pretty dirty spin move at the line and gains like eight yards. I'm going, who the hell is this kid? That ain't a Wildcat. It's a wild hog. I mean, really? <laughs> you got to look up. You got to look up the clip. It's pretty crazy. Oh man. Well, De'Aaron Jackson, our true freshman, he got a late interception. Uh, Jordan Wright had a pick six and a big play by Quentin Bohannon and Drew. Your boy even got an interception. Is Boss Man Fat back? Uh, I think he's back, but it's on a week-to-week basis. The The excitement of before the year is not there. He still has to earn that. But, I mean, he played pretty well, and that was a pretty nice interception. So, I at least will call him Boss Man Fat for the next six days. Okay, good. I like I like this. It's, uh, it's almost like he got put on probation or, or like a suspension. So, like, you know, it's – Red light, green light, pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, we're going to keep a close eye on the progress. We're not throwing anything away. We're not committing to anything. We're just going to watch the situation as it goes on. And right now, he's in good standing as boss man fat. Man, he's great at celebrating, too. That uh, Not only his pick, but the one that Jamin had on the end zone. The the pick that Dr. Mike has, it looks like he's uh, he's down on, like, one knee, and he's, like it, – it's, it's almost like there's a halo going around Jamin's head from him presenting him, like he's, like, baby Jesus or something. And having uh, been at the game, I don't know if this translated to TV, but after uh, Boss Man Fat's interception, he ran approximately 150 yards around the entire stadium uh, <laughs> just to make sure everyone got a good look. That might be a slight exaggeration, but he did run to the opposite end zone and to the sideline. Oh, man, that's awesome. He that's thought awesome. he was – NFL where they run to like the camera on the other side and then all do their thing. I don't, I don't get that either. Where they all like, maybe I'm just like fat and old now, but running is not what I'd want to do if I was celebrating, like maybe a little bit, but there was a couple times, I think I was watching the, it was the Browns game on Sunday and a guy gets an interception and then runs like 60 more yards. It's like, dude, you, you look tired. Like, why are you, you can stop. You can just run to the sideline. That looks a lot easier. I think it's funny when they run all the way down and then there's like a flag and it got bit <laughs> back or something. Like that's pretty golden. I don't know if it's happened too many times yet, but it's been pretty close. Oh, man. Well, two other guys that I wanted to give a shout-out because Mark Stoops, he did the thing where somebody asked him a question. It was kind of like Cal, Drew, where he just like – talks about something completely different he answers the question in like a sentence or two and then is like but i really want to make sure i talk about quentin bohanna and, and phil hoskins today uh i was, I was proud of stoops it was, it was he's he's been keeping up with the cow you know he's been here long enough it's starting to rub off on him uh but he he really went on and on because those guys only had one tackle apiece but they got after the quarterback bohanna had a p- pass breakup and the pick six on right i mean bohanna was eating costello's lunch like that that was a great play and we don't see it a lot freddie because those guys are interior guys but it was pretty easy to drop eight when those guys were forcing costello to make difficult throws by only rushing three absolutely i mean uh, Mike Leach said something after the game to the effect of, you know, we have five trying to block three and couldn't do it. And, and I think that uh, Costello and Rogers both felt pressure from the organic three within the three, four defense. So that's a positive. That's a, that when you don't have to blitz and can get pass rush by your defensive line, uh, you, the playbook is open. You can do anything you want to on defense at that, at that juncture of the game. You mentioned Rogers. Will Rogers, Drew, is just a hey, shout out to his parents for just saying, you know what, we're going to let this kid deal with Will Rogers jokes his entire life. We don't give a damn. And B, a backup quarterback came in and Kentucky didn't just completely fall apart. That was pretty weird. 
You know, I think we can kind of move on from the backup quarterback thing. The curse has been broken quite a while now. I know fans were groaning when they happened, but I feel like we've graduated from that. We've moved on. We've buried that just like we mm. buried the Tennessee streak and the Florida streak. Mm. Slowly we're checking off these skeletons. But I, just, I think the backup QB thing is not a threat anymore. Like Kyle Trask. Mike, okay, that was last year. Good point. <laughs> Great point. So it is back. Touche. We have everything to be afraid. Oh, yeah, that guy's pretty good. Florida's defense, though, my God, they suck. They, I think Chuck could start at linebacker for him. I mean, they they are so bad. And it, it makes me really wish, Freddie, that we got him early in the year because of – like you would think that their defense might eventually figure it out. But they're so bad without like a David Reese or something in the middle making 25 tackles a game. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident that they'll figure it out defensively. Uh, there's too much talent there. I mean – Nick, I know you, you like to give Grantham. Uh, oh, I love to. Third and Grantham yeah. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but he is a, he, he's a highly respected defensive coordinator. So I, I think they'll figure it out. I agree. Uh, I like to get them earlier than we do because that, that would, uh, they're, they're struggling right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, really struggling. Uh, you know, Texas A&M put up what 41 on them. Mm-hmm. South, South Carolina put up 28, 29 on them. So, uh, they're giving up yards and points, which is strange, but that offense is pretty potent. Uh, it was it was it was fun to watch them play Texas A uh-huh. and M, and that uh, twelve thousand people there at Collins Station. <laughs> I love to like Dan Mullen. He he he's got like a what's the word I'm looking for? He very much has like a I got picked on in high school a lot kind of vibe, and now he's trying to like fight back because. He was so angry after the game. We got to pack the swamp. We got to pack the swamp. I, mean, I just, I need all those people there. They make a difference. It's like, Dan, like, just relax, buddy. Like, yeah, Dan, your, your your defense got the ball ran down his throat in the second half. That's what happened to the game. That's why you lost, you know? <laughs> it's not that complicated. Yeah, I mean, Texas A&M decided we're going to run the ball, and that was ball game. It, it's one of those things, too. Just flip the Auburn and – or flip the Auburn and uh, – Florida game this year, and you love the timing of all that. But hey, scheduling gonna be perfect. Um, so uh, you know, I'm not gonna complain about it right now. But there was one other thing that I, I wanted to bring up about the defense, in particular, that is now escaping my mind. And it, frankly, it's kind of frustrating because I thought it was something good, uh, and uh, you know, I just it completely left my mind, Drew Franklin. I I thought I even wrote it down, and no, didn't write it down. Uh, I mean, we covered a lot of good points. Uh, nothing comes to my mind. Uh, there was a bad that our, my boy Bully didn't play. If we want to go and we talked. Yeah. You mentioned my boy Boss Man came through. I was a little sad. I didn't get to see Bully after you had a, a sack the week before. That could have been a big hey, week for him. Hey, Nick, I got something. Okay. Kentucky held Osiris Mitchell, who was averaging 122 yards a game and 20 yards per catch, to two receptions for three yards. That's what it was, that, Freddie. It was it really? It wasn't that Mitchell only had that many yards. It's that he put his hand on Echo's face mask and Echo's just ripped his helmet off. And they didn't okay. even call a flag. That was awesome. I was I was Good. very happy with that play. Good. Let him play. Yeah. And uh, so for those who don't know, Echo's is from Mississippi. And I think there's some bad blood between he and his players. I didn't see the messages, but there was some scuttlebutt that like they were talking about his kid and stuff like that. So, like, you know what? Players uh, are going to talk. crosses a line. Yeah. Players are going to talk some trash. Like, it's fine. Yeah. I'm, especially after he was knocking the crap out of some people on those screens, coming up and making some big plays. So, yeah. yeah. Good, good job, Eccles. Uh, and you know what? He only got one 15-yard penalty, and that was offsetting. So, like, as long as the penalty is offset, fine by me. You know? What's wrong with yeah. a little bit of little, little bit of extra chirping? Uh, but – Speaking of coming up and getting hit on some screens, Ooh. oh, Charles, uh, wasn't a great day to be a UK wide receiver. Yeah, one that immediately sticks out is that Alan Daly miss block where I was it Ali that just got rocked. Uh, it happened twice, actually. Yeah, well, yeah. He... I'm thinking of the one that was a little early, and sometimes. It's kind of an RPO, and you know you run it in practice every day. Uh, 
and sometimes you just don't think the ball's gonna get thrown. You know, <laughs> I was trying to block, do my do my job, but I mean, God, after running the same play, you know, fifty times and a pass is thrown once out of the fifty, sometimes the receivers get a little lax. And I'm sure today um, Daly was corrected on on those plays, and it, it does stink because even after games like this where the offense didn't play well and you know, production wise, it just wasn't there. You go to film and, you know, everyone wants Eddie Grand fired. Of course, that's obviously the perfect yeah. answer, but you go to the actual film and these plays that are terrible calls are one guy not doing his job. And here's grand just, you know, taking all the heat. And then we get into the meeting, the team meeting, and it's like, well, hey, look, this was actually a really good call, but so-and-so, you missed your man. So instead of gaining 15 yards, we lost five on a third and eight where we called the QB draw, which, again, it, it, I understand we love that QB draw, and I think it works one out of every ten times. But I guess what I'm trying to get across is sometimes the players don't execute, and it's a good play call. So – before you take Eddie Grant's head off on Twitter, maybe you should think about that. I, I like that you started us off in that foot, Chuck, because I'm typically a, uh, I'm typically like Jon Snow in the Battle of the Bastards fighting off the Eddie Grant haters. But I was, I, I was in the camp. I, I was on the other side this time. And it was mostly because of the lack of Chris Rodriguez. I know that, you know, they'll say, Hey, uh, you know, any of these running backs, if, if we block it right, any of them can play well. But the thing was, Drew, is like Rodriguez was the only source of good for a long time, especially in that second half. You would get like a 10-yard run, and then the next play you're running like a screen or something. It's like, but, but, but just keep – you used to do that with Benny. You just run the same thing over and over and over and just let him get five, six yards. Like, you can do that with Rodriguez too. It's worked before, and it was really the only thing that was working for a long time Saturday night. Yeah, I completely agree with both points. I think Grand gets it way too bad, and people forget that he had a couple of years where he completely lost his quarterback and changed game plan in one week and turned around to good seasons. But then there's times, and Chris Rodriguez is a great example. I do not understand why you don't just turn around and hand him the football because he's, he's kind of like Benny. I'm not going to you know, compare him to Benny and put any kind of pressure on him like that, but you know you're going to get a couple out of him, and he's going to fall forward and put a hit on somebody. So – I question a lot of this, especially when they're just running Terry in short yardage situations. Just, just right. treat him like he's a Benny back there. Just hand it off to him. See what happens. Yeah, in in some of the Terry runs, like I, I know Charles joked about it, working one out of ten times. But I just I hate when I know that Kentucky's going to run a quarterback draw before the play because I know the other team knows it too. Like if UK goes five wides, it's not going to be a pass. Charles, did you all ever throw it out of five wide receiver sets? Oh, we would in practice. <laughs> I mean, like it's it's usually just like, all right, let's clear it out so Terry can run, but they know that it's coming. So <sighs> my my thing is the whole right when he catches it, the fake look back, and it's like that is just so obvious. What is <laughs> so obvious? And then there's two linebackers there. All right, two linebackers against Terry. I wonder who that's gonna win that. God, it's Ooh, and, and you know what, too? We watched Joey Gatewood throw a pass. So now, like, Terry Wilson might as well be yesterday's news because do you see that spiral by Joey Gatewood? Man, <laughs> I bet he can throw it over a mountain. Uncle Rico. Uh -huh. I've, been, I've been quick to tell people to be careful with your expectations of Joey Gatewood, but I will say he looked like RoboCop behind that line of, line of scrimmage. <laughs> the dude is huge. <laughs> I mean, I already knew he was big, but when he got back there, he looked even bigger. And that throw yeah. did look good. So that's a good guy to have. I'm not in any way saying let's get rid of Terry and go to Joey, but he did look good in that brief uh, preview we got against, you know, maybe a defense that had already quit. I'll say this about the, the draw game and the running game and, and all that. You know, the offense is a circular mechanism. It takes 10, 11 players. And when your receivers catch non-shuttle passes, which Josh Ali had two of those, your receivers catch two passes for five yards uh, with no threat to go downfield, then that's when you saw Peters and Preston 
the two safeties from Mississippi State sneak up in the box, and then you got five trying to block eight or nine, and nothing works. Run game can't work because of those numbers. Mm-hmm. And then and then why why would why would Mississippi State bite on the draw? Because when they can lock down the outside receivers with their their nickel back and, and two corners, the safeties are just there to stop the run. So I mean eventually Kentucky's gonna have to stretch the field. I mean, really, mm-hmm. really. And we saw that Saturday. And I think that's a big factor of why the offense struggled because couldn't do that and and it it just clogs up everything else it it, it hurts your running game it hurts your draw game you know your screen game i mean all that predicates on uh the threat uh, the actual threat of having a receiver run past a defender and get open downfield and we've not seen that yeah and i I worry too freddie that there's nothing you can do about it but that, that that's my biggest concern for this year moving forward is just that you're seeing guys who were all recruited between, I don't know, 2016, 2019, mostly 2016, 2018, when you, you start playing this run heavy offense and it becomes more difficult to just recruit guys to, to play for that offense. And, you know, we like some of these guys at the time, but really Josh Ali is the only guy you can point to and be like, okay, I think this guy's got it, but that's still just one guy, and you need a little bit more from that. Uh, and Terry didn't play his best. There's no denying that. Uh, but I do think some of the throws he missed later on were just like frustration throws where, you know, Freddie, you hit some guy in the hands, you know, that th- there's a human element. You're just going to get mad eventually yeah. that like i mean what do i got to do to to get these guys the ball so i think you saw that frustration really building especially when i mean eddie said before the game they were gonna have to throw it some they went to the air a little bit more and it it, it became like just this this cycle of crap yeah i mean you're right i mean it's human nature when when you drop back to throw and, and there's nobody there or if you drop back to throw and hit somebody in the hands and they drop it I mean that that sticks in your back of back of your mind. So there's got to have a there's got to be some kind of confidence and comfort level with your receivers, with your pass catchers. Uh, and I think that again, that's something that's going to have to happen pretty soon. Or it doesn't matter who's back there at quarterback. Yeah, and we knew Drew that like Mississippi State, they were going to bring the heat, and you just had to take advantage when they missed. Terry did on that one blitz. I mean. They blitzed right at him. He went right by him. 51 yards down the field, set up a score, I think two plays later. But then there was another, I don't know if it was, I think it was third down, where they bought the Brits, uh, bought, brought the brought the blitz. Blah, 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 that's all, folks. Where they brought the blitz, and they brought it to the side where all of UK's receivers were. So Terry ran away, and but he had nothing to run away to, to throw it, get rid of it, anything. So – you got to give some credit to Mississippi State's defense. We knew that the three three five was going to be a problem. Um, you just hoped it wouldn't be that big of a problem that at least Kentucky would be able to run the ball pretty effectively, which was not the case at all. About that defense, I, I know it kind of goes back to uh, compared to the Georgia Tech offense till they switch coaches here, really, but I mean, there's a reason everyone doesn't use it. So is it not just catching you off guard a little bit and then you, you get settled, or is it really that complicated? Because I feel like if it was that good, we'd, you'd see it more than once a year. I think that few teams can actually pull it off with the right personnel. And I have a feeling that folks are going to eventually start figuring it out a little bit with Mississippi State, whereas it's still uh, early in the year. And there's a lot of different stuff you can do that, like, you people just haven't seen before. Uh, so I, I think that's one of the things that people are slowly going to be able to start to, to figure out. But as Freddie said earlier, you can do a ton if you don't have to respect the pass. And right now, that's what, like, like Tennessee, they're going to sell out against UK because there's no reason not to. So you need to complete some sort of downfield throws early in that game or else it's going to be tough moving the ball at all against the Vols. You know, three three five. If you look at it, I mean, Mississippi State did a lot of shifting, moving, twist, uh, bliss the linebackers, whatever, uh, and it is unique. But as a quarterback, I look at it just like you're going against a nickel package. Uh, only difference was is those two safeties 
were playing seven to ten yards off the line of scrimmage. And th those two safeties happen to be two of the top four tacklers on Mississippi State's team. So, uh, again, when, when you got uh, when you got situations where you can't force those safeties to, to honor the pass, especially down the middle deep, then then uh, you know they're going to come uphill or go, you're, they're going to go downhill and stuff the run, and, and they're not going to respect anything that you're doing because yeah, they're not threatened. So, uh, you know, the threat. I keep saying that word, the threat will keep them deeper, keep them to be in the safeties deeper. And there you don't have two uh, immediate run support players on defense. So it all predicates on, on what you could do. I know LSU uh, lost to Mississippi State, but but had a high number of yardage. And then uh, uh, Arkansas threw for over 200 yards against them. So uh, it's a good defense. It's, it's a good scheme, but it's a lot about personnel and, and how effective that the opposing offenses are and how they can take advantage of it. It's an advantageous defense. How about that? There we go. I got some breaking news, guys, that everybody else has already seen, probably, by the time they're hearing this. But Vandy, Missouri, first SEC game postponed due to COVID. Wow. wow. Apparently, Vandy only had like... 53? Yeah, they had like the bare minimum to play uh, last weekend. So, whew, not ideal. I mean... They played two. They, they still had a, a lot of quarterbacks on the roster. They played two. Unfortunately, Danny Clark didn't get in. Yeah. Real shame. Real shame. I uh, thought you was going to talk about uh, Joe Morgan. Oh man, I and you know what, Freddie? I knew Joe Morgan as the broadcaster. I didn't know him as the oh, big man. red machine guy. But I, I loved oh, him just hearing his voice on the 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 Sunday night baseball games. Yeah, my age group, man. Those guys were 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 just superstars. Uh, and they just, you know, the uh, the big red machine and Pete Rose, Johnny Bench, uh, Concepcion, all those guys, Griffey. I mean, they were superstars because you didn't have TV to watch games. You didn't have the internet to, to stream or whatever. The only thing you got was radio broadcast. And then, you know, where I grew up in the mountains in the evenings, it was, it was very common to see people on their porch listening to the Reds and and that brings back a lot of memories, especially with Joe Morgan, who I absolutely idolized as a baseball player. Was it who was on the call for those games too? Brenneman and uh You know, oh. I can't remember. I, I can just remember listening to the games with my dad, my grandfather, and on seven hundred. And, and just absolutely get big, just get the big stick. Yeah. And just trying to imagine what it looked like. Cause I mean, you know, you didn't get to see it and the TV was not HD like it is now, so <laughs> you know it, it was just it was just a great uh, a great time and, and and a simpler simpler way to living, but but I enjoyed it. But yeah, Bob Gibson died. I mean, it's just been a bad year for my baseball heroes. Mm -hmm. Speaking of technology messing up, I mean, we didn't have Tom Hart for like half the game. <laughs> it, was, it was about like Drew trying to get him on the podcast a few weeks ago. The power kept going out at his house, which I don't think we've ever had that problem in the history of Kentucky football games, Chuck, is power outage. We, we've we had some sparks here in Louisville yesterday. Huh. I don't know if you experienced any of that. Must be on your end of town. My end of town, it's just nothing but beautiful babes. The liquor's falling like wine. I mean, it's it's wonderful on the south end. I'm in the more important, qu more important question is, is where did Cole Kublik get that bacon and dip that he had oh yeah what's that place called drew i did i didn't see the broadcast oh yeah I, that's I don't right. really know much of what you are talking about i know tom lost power but not anything about bacon he so i guess that's kublik's thing now is he just gets like the best food he can find from somewhere and he went to instead of going to ks bar which i don't i don't what the hell kublik what's your what's your problem man but he went to um one of the bhg places and got like a bacon appetizer and dipped it uh -huh. in like peanut butter or something and freddie the thing i like when cole gets it out he doesn't just like take a bite for like show he eats the whole thing and like yeah. you can hear him like like crunching <laughs> <laughs> into his microphone just really showing it off in front of the other guys that all started at auburn when he ate that breaded bacon and then it's kind of become his deal uh people give him bacon every every everywhere he goes now but i i I want Man, that's got to be awesome. Like everywhere yeah. here, why don't you try this bacon of ours? Like, oh no, twist my yeah. arm. Yeah, I'm I didn't know he did this. So that's that's OBC's bacon. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's delicious. I didn't know he did that during the broadcast. 
Yeah. And you do dip it in peanut butter, which sounds weird, but it's good. Where whatever it is, wherever it's at, I'm getting me some. It's kind of I, I think it's kind of crazy to because I've had like maple bacon that's really good because you're like you're mixing salty and sweet. Pretty bold to do double dip on the saltiness. We put uh, we put brown sugar on our bacon at my house. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I never had it. My roommate was making it one day. I took a bite and was like, "What the what is this?" Because I'm a I like to throw syrup on about anything. Anything could have syrup on it. Syrup, <laughs> syrup, whatever you call it. Syrup. I'm a we big... call it syrup down here, Charles. Gotcha. I call it. Well, now I'm going to know. So you just ask me at the end of the show, and I'll tell you what I call it. I don't know. I don't know what I. Call. I think I call. <laughs> Pass me syrup. Yeah, I do. I've become a big fan though of putting peanut butter on random breakfast foods, like peanut butter and waffles. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. just, I never did it as a kid. You know, you just would like put way too much syrup on it. And then, man, yeah. now I'm saying syrup, but I'm pretty sure I typically say syrup and I'm just thinking about it, Charles. I don't I know. I don't that's what I say either. Oh. Pe- peanut butter goes well on uh, granola bars too. Oh, okay. Well, what other ways can we use peanut butter? Oh, peanut butter and apples. I've been trying the natural peanut butter too. The kind that you got to like really stir up. That's good. I'm on the almond butter. My mom loves it. Now I'm kind of on it, but nothing like that GIF. That's that healthy stuff. What's the chocolate peanut butter called? My daughter eats that. It's really Who? Is it Nutella? I thought you said Mozella. Yeah, Nutella. That's really good, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Well, I appreciate this bacon and peanut butter conversation. But I do have to just point out that I, I think somebody deserves our praise that won't get anywhere else. And that's a long snapper K de Gras, because I don't think anybody can snap a ball farther in the history of human <laughs> earth than K de Gras can. Man. I think a bunch of stallings a couple of years ago against Florida with Steven Johnson behind him tried to snap it out of the stadium. And I thought that would never be topped, but uh, that long snap on the punt on Saturday, that was impressive. It was an. It counted. The worst part was that it was a, a negative forty-eight yard play. So it just completely like ruined whatever statistical thing Kentucky had going for him. The offense was bad, but it looks like the worst offense since sliced bread because of that forty-eight yard loss. Yeah, absolutely. It counts against the rush and the total yards category. So we're column, and that that makes it looks a lot bad because the. The actual ball carriers rush for 132 yards net. Uh, so, you know, yeah, it, it makes it look a lot worse than it was. But I liked how Max just nonchalantly kicked it. God. You know, I, I would have I would have fallen down and busted my tail if I tried to do that. And he just kind of, doop, you know. It, I thought that looked so cool. I think he might be the coolest player on our team, just in regards to nerves and, I mean, Playing that his next the safety punt was like the best kickoff you could get in today's game, and like you said, Freddie, he was you can kind of see it on the replay. He was you know looking over his shoulder both ways to see if he had time to pick it up and kick it. He was like, all right, I guess I'll just boot this off the ground like a soccer ball. He's amazed me. Have y'all noticed that he's the holder for PATs and kickoff and field goals? Yeah, I didn't. I did. I, I didn't notice that either until Saturday. For some, I don't know how I didn't catch that. But yeah, I, I do appreciate too that he was so fed up that he couldn't punt it. He's like, man, I had the chance to have another one down inside the twenty, and then here I go, just stuck with it. So on the free kick, he just nails it like seventy-five yards. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a ball travel that far in my life. It's crazy. I didn't. I also didn't know that it's illegal to punt it backwards. Like, Neither did I. Because I've seen guys in the NFL do that, where if it's bad, the kicker, the punter, just like will kick it out of the end zone. And apparently, the only reason why it wasn't like down at the one is because he did the punt from the end zone. Yeah. But I, 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 I drew. I had no idea that was a rule. I didn't, I was very confused when Mark Stoops was talking about it. I didn't know what he was talking about. So that was brand new to me too. Max probably didn't know either. I mean, I mean, not not listen. I, I we were at Vanderbilt 
play in it, and I had an intentional grounding in the end zone that res- resulted in safety, and I had no idea that was a rule. <laughs> I mean, I just threw it as far as I could away, and then nobody in the same area code. And I was, like, thinking, okay, they told me if nobody was there to throw it away. I did good. Then I see the flags. I'm like, what is it? Safety, intentional grounding. I was like, okay. I never did that again. <laughs> Oh man! Well, it's good that we've got Duffy on our side. Special teams player of the week in the SEC. Jordan Wright was yeah. the SEC defensive player of the week. But Drew, I want to get to this week's segment. I think it's going to be our favorite segment yet, and I'm just happy that it's sponsored by Midnight Rooster, the best natural Kentucky-grown hemp products on the market. Uh, and you might notice, I know our podcasters podcast listeners can but you all can i've got the beard coming back and i have the midnight rooster kentucky jesus beard oil so as you all sit here and look at how beautiful this face is right now midnight rooster with its usda approved uh, beard oil got me going oh man i know I, I noticed two things on saturday in the pregame show about drew his beard and he's thin he's lost weight he looks good have you seen him lately nick yeah, what the hell, Drew? We're supposed to get fat during quarantine. I do the opposite. I don't have anywhere to go. I'm usually a weekend warrior putting beers in my body at bars on Saturdays, and now I just sit on the couch. So I guess I'm doing the opposite of most people. I did the thing, Charles, where we went to uh, Target on Sunday and convinced my wife to get trick-or-treat candy. I've never had a trick-or-treater at my house in three years, so already already getting started on the Halloween candy myself three weeks early yeah you know i i live with two other guys and uh you know last year we don't really get many trick-or-treaters and you know most of the neighborhood we don't have obviously children at our house so uh we were kind of just sprinkling candy along to get trick-or-treaters we're ready for them and you know, all my buddies were kind of calling me going, dude, this looks like the creepiest thing in the world. Yeah. Were you just like reading a trail? <laughs> yeah. Sprinkled on our sidewalk leading up to the door where we had more candy. And then I got to thinking about it and I went, yeah, I mean, I guess that is pretty creepy. And <laughs> we'll do that. We were calling it Candyland, but yeah, this year I'll have to take a different approach. Didn't, didn't work. <laughs> Last year. Oh man, that's weird. This is my first year as a homeowner in a neighborhood where there are going to be 10 million kids, and I have no idea how much candy to buy or what to do. So if you all have any pointers, this goes to yeah. the, the podcast. Feel free to tell me. Buy more than you think you're going to need <laughs> because you always run out. And then you'd I, want to have like hide some too so that you have some for afterwards and you don't give it, it all away. And if you run out, you got to close your door and turn out all the lights because you don't want to look like the jerk of the neighborhood. <laughs> Act like you're not there. Isn't the key to buy all the candy that you like yourself so you can eat it and not worry about the kids? Or is that, have I been told wrong? I think no, you, that's true. Yeah, and but you also want to get some of the bad candy and give that away first. Like milk duds, nobody likes those. Whoppers, those are great to just give to everybody else. But the good stuff, you save for the end, you know? I did notice yesterday I went ahead and did some scouting on a candy. Again, this is all brand new to me. And I found that the, the, the bags, they give you some variety. They'll give you like four home runs and then some almond joy or some crap nobody wants. It's like I, yeah. you almost had the perfect variety pack. Why are you messing this up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just has go to any, Kroger. They, has, got, they got a good selection. Has anybody ever purposefully bought an almond joy? No. My dad. <laughs> oh, so he's the one guy. I mean, he loves it. I mean, I don't dislike them, but I've never bought one on purpose. I've never, I've eaten them, but I've never mm-hmm. gone to the store and said, man, that Almond Joy is mine. <laughs> no, I feel never, the, I'm sorry, Charles. Go ahead, buddy. No, nope, no, that's it. That's all I got. I feel, I feel the same way about Dr. Pepper. Hey, I really? Never, I've never purchased a Dr. Pepper and I've never seen, any, nor do I know anybody that buys Dr. Pepper. Have Thank you, ever- you Freddie. I hate Dr. Pepper. I've never spent one cent on Dr. Pepper in my life. You know, they can have all the cool commercials they want during college football, but I will never buy a Dr. Pepper. Did what, what did you drink at SEC Media Days if you didn't drink Dr. Pepper? You didn't see me going to the latrine every six minutes. I was drinking water. 
and Sunkist is the big SEC drink if you don't do Dr Pepper. <laughs> oh man, I I've never I've never I, I didn't know that was a thing that people didn't like Dr Pepper. I, I swear I don't know anybody that drinks Dr Pepper that I, I know do. of. Yeah, right here. It used to be it's too. I mean, when I was in high school, we'd go to a place in Louisville called Diorios. They have these big mm-hmm. old places. I do a pepperoni pizza slice and a Dr Pepper. And I've watched football, and yeah, I I didn't know that people didn't like it. But as I grew grown older, like my my parents don't like it. I mean, I still I'll get a pleasure Dr P here and there. It's really good with the Kidoba burrito. I mean, that's just like a nice there. Oh. oh yeah, throw some extra queso in that thing. There you go, two thousand calories right there. You don't have to eat the rest of the day. I want to get away from your all's trash soft drink takes, except Freddie, because he's like me. Uh, Can we go back to Halloween? I have more questions. Oh, yeah. yeah, More questions, yeah. This wasn't our segment, by the way. We're eventually going to get to the segment. We'll tell you a little more about Midnight Rooster again here in a minute, too. But, you know, all this has been bugging me, and now that I've opened it up, I feel like I just have to pour it all out. Uh, So Halloween neighborhood, you know, kids coming. I'm going to have my candy. It's going to be good candy. Is it? Do I dress up? Is that weird? Do I need to have a kid to dress up? Can I be in costume, or am I weird if I do that? Uh, I, I don't think you're weird if you do that, but no, nor, yeah, it's not necessary. No. Like, like yes, you, don't, I don't know. I'm just asking. Yeah, like yeah, you don't have to be dressed up, but it, it certainly helps if you're in the spirit. I usually have uh, some Halloween music going too, you know, and some and some pumpkins out and some stuff like that. But yeah, I don't oh. think it's weird. My mom had a cassette tape. So just there's my age right there. She had a cassette tape of like spooky Halloween music. And I knew the Halloween song before I had ever watched the movies because it was just like, oh man, that spooky music's back. Let me tell you something. When that movie came out, I mean, it was trendsetting like Jaws, you know, nobody ever seen anything like that. Mm -hmm. I saw that at the theater and it scared me to absolute death. Halloween and Friday 13th and all that. That's back when, when horror movies were actually scary. You know what I mean? And Lord, that music freaks me out. And I don't like to listen to it when I'm by myself in my house. I'll turn it off if it comes on. Uh, again, going to continue the direction, uh, the wrong direction here. Um, the Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix is terrifying. It's, it's a series. I saw. I did one of those where I was watching something and it was over. And I don't watch scary things. I don't know why I don't. And that was like the next thing that started to preview. And I was, it was on, it was yesterday and I was home alone right when it was getting dark. And I was like, what, what did I do to deserve this? I'm already, you know, I already have Sunday scaries. And then you're going to throw this at me. God. There you go. So Midnight Rooster, anyway, um, uh, all natural from Kentucky. Really cool guys. Uh, I've met them. Obviously, they do a lot with KSR. They're a lot of fun. They just got their product. It will be going out soon. Nick, what's the segment? The reason, this is a good segue from your Dr. Pepper hate. Today, we're going to talk about the reasons why Tennessee is the worst. Drew, why do you hate Tennessee? Uh, Because for the majority of my adult life, Kentucky would lose to them. And then adding to that, my father is a Tennessee fan and everything he wears is orange. So it's not like, the, you know, Kentucky loses and you go, we lost. We'll move on to the next one. And then next week's Mississippi State or Vandy or whoever. It's just constantly in my face and has been in my face since my childhood. So that is why I hate Tennessee. Hmm. Charles, why do you hate Tennessee? Drew kind of took half mine, but the first thing I think of is that gaudy orange. And it just looks good on nobody. I think Leanne Tui said it best in the blind side. She said, I'm you know, like, I'm not wearing orange or any of my color. Well, there you go. That's the first thing I think of. I can't stand it. Those overalls that they, the checkerboard orange and white overalls are the dumbest thing in all of SEC football. We do some really weird, stupid things like the little yell leaders at Texas and those are some weird guys. Like there's a lot of odd things in SEC football. The, the orange and white checkerboard bibs are the dumbest and ugliest thing in Southeastern Conference football. Hideous. Can't agree more. And, and Freddie, I know Drew had to live in a Tennessee household, 
but you had to mix it up and interact with those heathen Tennessee fans on a regular basis growing up. <laughs> I I personally feel like I, I'm I'm sorry like that you had to grow up like that. Well, I have two things. First, I lost to them six times. So the six. all-star the all-star game and then five times in college. So yeah. And then and then even like in 2018 said, when you were on the staff, y'all beat you beat everybody except freaking Tennessee. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it, it's yeah, hurtful. Uh, and then you always have that annoying Tennessee fan out of, that just tries to be different. You know, they love Kentucky basketball, but they're a Tennessee football fan. That that kind of gets on my nerves. Mm. I uh... Tony, uh, Real quick, Nick, you, you brought up that game in 2018. I don't know that we've ever asked for any of this uh, that much, but, you know, that team was rolling in an underdog there. You don't have to relive it too much, but they just – they just come out flat in that game since you were there and it's on my mind. You know, it, it's just one of those situations where, you know, you go through a 13-game schedule, you're going to have one of those games. And that just happened to be one, that one game that, that we had that just didn't play well. I mean, you get, we gave up a touchdown right before the half, and it was just one of those games that everything went their way uh, and it just, it just snowballed. And next thing you know, we took a loss. I, I like to blame the targeting call on Darius West the week before because there's not a snowball's chance in hell that he's letting them throw a Hail Mary before half if he's in the game. But he had to he, – he missed the first half of the game from a targeting penalty, and I think that really cost him. It's also weird that Jared Garantano has been pretty consistently bad throughout his entire career, but for some reason he just always plays the game of his life against Kentucky. It makes no sense at all, and it just – it drives me insane. Uh, which brings me to what I really despise about Tennessee. Uh, and this is a kind of more of a, a recent development uh, because, like you said, the orange, uh, it's gross. The orange and white checkerboard, really bad. The dumbest incarnation of the orange and white checkerboard is little orange and white checkerboard riding hood, Jeremy Pruitt. What the <laughs> hell is he? His mask, he wears like a hood. It doesn't cover his face. It's like a little... Like cone thing. It look it looks like one of those things my mom puts on her head when it's raining. What it looked like. The, you know what I, you know what I mean? The little plastic things that they put on that 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 you see on people's heads that, that just get their hair done or something like that. That's what it looked like to me. Uh, that's my, what I thought. The, the old ladies going to church at my church yeah. up to protect their hair. They they'd wear yeah. it all to the door and take it off. Yeah, that's what it looked like to me. Uh, Spencer Hall at Every Day Should Be Saturday wrote this about Jeremy Pruitt and his stupid thing. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt looks like the loneliest dude at Burning Man. Jeremy Pruitt looks like an undercover cop pulling up to a snowboarding half pipe asking where he can get some chronic. Jeremy Pruitt looks like he's about to rob the Mapco in honor of General Nealon. Jeremy Pruitt looks like the Batman villain whose superpowers get stronger the closer he gets to at rallies. Jeremy Pruitt looks like a sea cucumber with a concealed carry permit. Jeez. Jeremy Man. Pruitt in that stupid orange and white. Like, it's going to drive me crazy. He's going to be screaming all day Saturday. And hopefully it's out of frustrations because the thing about Tennessee, and it, they, they really hit a sore spot because of that stupid song playing on repeat. And because Kentucky find it's it's been pretty consistently – a good game, you know, save for the years when they were putting up 70 on us uh, with Peyton Manning and whatnot. But just finding heartbreaking ways to lose. Last year, Lynn Bowden stuffed just a yard, two yards away from the end zone. And this is the kind of win that can really, really motivate a fan base. You don't have Louisville to kick the crap out of this year. And this is your chance to go beat a rival who – it was really the flavor of the month in college football for a long time because of the way they ended the season last year. If you want to go out and make a statement win and, and really make this a memorable season, go to Neyland Stadium and win there in Knoxville for the first time since 1984. Something, Drew, I've never seen in my life. I've never seen a Kentucky victory at that godforsaken place. But will we now? Because I'm of the belief, or at least when we – predict and get our excitement up. I, I'm pretty much immune to getting excited about this game anymore. I've been to it twice. One of them, Kentucky almost won. I think I might have been the only blue shirt and five sections around me. I just 
I, I want to get fired up for it, and I, I can't do it. I, I cannot. You can't be let down again. I mean, so last year we were on the one at home. I don't want to kill our, our, our happiness because the big win on Saturday, and I know it's the balls. We hate them, but this this week stings so much every year. I, especially that stadium, like that is the worst stadium, not Vanderbilt or Missouri in the SEC because it's it's just clunky. Like they've you can't really get around anywhere in it because they just were like, you know what? We're just going to add some stadium here and here. Let's sprinkle in a little more stadium over there. And you can't, I mean, it'll be different because of the social distancing or whatever, but they, they give you enough room for about a half butt cheek to fit into that place. Like it's just, it's all overall, just an awful, awful place that I can't like, if you have the chance to go to Knoxville, don't it's, it's a dump. It's terrible. Stay away from there. Uh, but I don't, I don't know what my butt was. I just – But the concourses are outdated, too. Why we're going to rip on Nayland Stadium. They haven't put an upgrade in a lot of those places since they built it. You're like – you run into people just walking. Like, there's no room for anything anywhere there. It's terrible. Yeah. It sucks. I'm sorry I brought us down with a buzzkill with me thinking about the streak there. Well, but, uh, yeah, let's get this win. Okay, to, to say it more optimistically, though, Freddie, I do think yeah. that at least Kentucky – like this is going to be a rock fight with two teams where their strength is defense, defense, offensive line. Yeah, I mean Kentucky and Tennessee are, are very familiar, very similar. If you look at it, uh, you know last week uh, Georgia struggled offensively, had actually minus one yard rushing against Georgia. But I, I mean that Georgia defense, I've said it every week on this podcast, is is out of this world, man. Yeah. They're, they're very, very good. Uh, but if you look at the numbers and, and and even the personnel, this this is an even matchup. Uh, Tennessee has an offensive line that was their strength. Four out of five players are four, former five-star players. I mean, Kentucky, you got uh, a four-star with Drake and and Landon and and, and Dorian. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's strength on strength. Uh, quarterback, you know, like you said, Garantano plays good against Kentucky. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Tennessee has a couple of good running backs, Ty Chandler, who we remember, and then Eric Gray. Uh, mm-hmm. And then what I what I really – where I think Tennessee uh, is going to try to hurt Kentucky, especially if it gets in the red zone, is they're really good at throwing 50-50 balls and jump ball situations in the red zone on third down to Josh Palmer and, and, and Brandon Johnson. I think that's going to be something to look out for on Saturday. But two very similar teams, man. I mean, what's the spread down to five and a half now? Something like that. Five and a half. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, you get three points for being at home, so that's saying Tennessee is two point, two and a half points better than Kentucky. So that, that's that's a pretty even matchup in my eyes. Yeah, and that that total has been bet down from fifty one and a half to forty seven and a half. So, folks are expecting a, a rock fight, and kind of like what you said, Freddie. Really, the difference maker these last two years has been Jared Garantano and just quarterback play winning those 50 50 balls it was with John yeah. Jennings and Marquez Callaway but now they got Palmer who he had one catch in week one where he dove and like tipped it to himself with one hand and then caught it it's like man yeah. what a so they, they got some ballers and uh you, you gotta win on the 50 50 balls Kentucky's gotta make them more like 60 40 balls and their favorite yeah. and, and make some plays offensively uh to make sure that Tennessee can't just creep up and and try to stop the run all day long. Yeah, one thing about Tennessee, you got to give them credit. Uh, they they made a lot of mistakes at Georgia, but I've watched all three of their games and they they play extremely hard. I mean, they're they're physical and, and they play hard. Uh, Derek Ainsley is the defensive coordinator, uh, former assistant at Kentucky, then went to the Raiders. Uh, he's done a really good job since losing to Georgia State last year. And uh, I, again, two physical football teams and. And I can't wait for Saturday. I mean, I, I can't wait. Uh, and, and we're going to Somerset Friday, so won't be as tired as I was last week, Drew, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> it's a little bit closer to drive than Owensboro. But I got to say, though, Freddie, we were treated. Gavin Wimsett, that dude, he's a baller. Yeah, he was. He is. And, you know, I got to thank the, the people at Owensboro Catholic were very nice and, and good hosts, just like everybody's been. And I'm looking forward to seeing Lexington Christian at Somerset Friday. Yeah, man, Williams has got a cannon. He threw. I, he does, man. There was one play too because I did the the radio call with him, and I just like forgot I was on the radio for a second, 
and I divide out a oh my god what a throw and this was an incomplete pass he just threw it like <laughs> 60 yards off his back foot I mean just you know just getting rid of the ball casual 60 yard pass no big deal dude he did a good job on radio too oh thanks Freddie uh but I it was it was fun it was a lot of fun and uh it was good to see Wimsett too they he had to face a little adversity they were trailing seven nothing he had I think I'd only completed like four passes he wasn't doing well and then after so they went 80 yards in 40 seconds to close out the half and tie the game and from that final drive on he was 13 to 17 for 210 yards and three touchdowns so he, yeah he is really 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 good he's he's a big time player he uh and then he he made the return trip Trady. he he made that drive to lexington for saturday's game so oh did he yeah you know what i when i noticed about him he punts and he punts with his left foot yeah left foot and, and he's right handed yeah and he's right handed so Man, pretty crazy. Um, I was going to mention something else about Tennessee other than let's just – I hate them. Can we just win, please? I, I I don't like Tennessee. And I don't even have to live with – you, you've got to deal with your father, Drew. Like, that is uh, – I'm sorry. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to paint my Saturday for you real quick. I'm going to be – do the pregame show. I'm going to be in the zone. I'm going to think that I'm going to go home and watch it by myself privately – so that I can work. And when I get home from the pregame show, he's going to be sitting on my couch because he has a key. Rocky Top will be playing in my own home. He will have decorated, and I won't be able to tell him to leave. And that's why that's how I will watch the game on Saturday. No, no, no. And you're going to come back, and he's going to be crying in your bedroom because cats are winning by two touchdowns. Oh, okay. first. Two tutties. Yep. Wow! Write it down, folks. You heard it here first from Charles Walker. You got the you got the guy from CBI guarantee. Guaranteed, baby. <laughs> well, I certainly hope that's what happens because I just I, as much as I love your your father, Drew. That, that uh, I don't I want, want you to lose. To I want him to cry. I want to see the pain in his eyes as <laughs> Kentucky wins by two touchdowns, as predicted. Because you know what, nothing. As much as like a loss hurts, it would be devastating for Tennessee, who they think that they're like going to beat Florida and still have a shot to like go to the SEC championship game if Georgia loses to Bama and something else. Like they, they, that's how highly they think of themselves. And losing to Kentucky would just completely, it would rip out their souls. And there's nothing I want more than to rip out the, the, the souls and hearts of all those vowels. Wearing their orange all across that god, just awful state. I'm for it. I'm with it. Okay, I, I think I got. Here's the thing, too, folks. It's only Monday. I'm really going to just like, I'm I'm not going to be in a good place Saturday morning. Just my hatred for Tennessee is just going to be built up so much because we don't have any. You can't even hate on Louisville. They're so bad at football. They are the worst. They are just terrible. You also Georgia Tech. The team but that was running the triple option like two years ago. They're the pro football focused best offensive line in America, apparently. Who, who loses to Georgia Tech by 20 points. They're so bad. I love seeing it. I love seeing it so much. We knew they'd be bad because nothing changed from when Kentucky ran all over them to end last year. But they're worse than expected by far. Man, it's a real shame we don't get to just whoop them up and down the field this year. So that's why. We've got to get this Tennessee victory Saturday afternoon. Get the good mojo back. Let the hate out. Get a big win over the rivalry. Let's make it happen, cats. Let's make it happen. But before that, we will root for one Tennessee at KS Bar Tuesday night. Titans party. Be there. Tuesday night football. It's yeah. I, I'm. Come on. I know it's weird Tennessee this week. It's Tennessee balls. We can understand it's confusing. I have to live with it. But we have football on a Tuesday tomorrow, so that's something else to be excited about. All right, tighten up on Tuesday. Tennessee's terrible on Saturday. There we go. The, bri- the briar jumpers on Friday. That's right. We're jumping all over the place. That field too is really cool. So yeah, you see, you see where they got a turf field for the kids to play in the end, behind the end zone. It's I, I love it. Absolutely love it. That's it's crazy. Awesome. That. Yeah, it's they, a they, mini they, field that's behind the end zone that's marked off, lined off, and got. Uh, the numbers on it, and and that's for the kids to play during during the game. Yeah, it's nice. 
Are you getting attacked by like, a like turkey? Did you hear that? <laughs> Listen, it is hotter than Hades. I'm outside in Corbin, Kentucky, sweating, and a freaking pterodactyl just flew by my head. So I don't know what's going on. I think you're a Jurassic World. <laughs> see, that's another thing. You stop at gas stations and, and stuff in Corbin and Williamsburg, and you see half orange and half blue. That, that's another mm. thing that, that kind of bothers me, you know? Mm. Yeah, that doesn't sit well with me. I don't like yeah. Well, I think we need to get out of here before Freddie gets attacked by another pterodactyl. But <laughs> this this has been a lot of fun. We got to relive the good from Kentucky's win over Mississippi State. The cats are in the win column and get y'all ready for a win Saturday against the Tennessee Vols. Now, big thanks to Midnight Rooster and UK Federal Credit Union, our presenting sponsor. And thanks to you all for listening, subscribing, and checking us out every single week. We'll be back here before you know it. Until then, go Cats, go Kroger. And peep the technique.